Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Who was here last week? Who was here or heard or jumped into last week's awesome? I talked to some people this morning that were here last week, some people that engaged online. So we kicked off a new series, but um, I'll get to that in a moment. Am I a little hot up here, uh, Enzo? Is that it? Yeah? Okay, cool. I'll just keep talking. And um, okay, tell me if this is you or not. Who tends to drive their car when it's on empty, getting close to empty? Who's one of those people? Why do, you, why, do you, why do we do that? Angela, why do you do that? Uh, I really don't like Oh, you're hoping somebody else will fill it up. Okay, okay. Anybody else? Why, why do you do that, Sinaz? Okay, cool. You're competitive with your, with your gas tank. You? What about you, Carlos? Why do you do that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, so, so who, like, it hits half and you fill up? Like, who's one of those people? Well, a few in here. Okay, cautious individuals. That's good. That's good. So, so I, I'm one of these, the people that, like, waits till it's empty. Like, if it's, until it's, like, one-eighth, you know, left of the tank, I really won't uh, fill it up. And, and my family hates this game when we travel. Because if we're traveling and it's empty and we don't know where the next gas station is, you know, these days a lot of cars have like, you know, 100 kilometers till empty, whatever. So I'm like, okay, 50 kilometers to the next gas station, 100 kilometers to the next station, I'm good. Like, this is, wait, yeah, I'm good, exactly. Like, I'll have 50 kilometers left at least when we fill up. And, and so that's kind of a little bit, maybe I'm risky that way. And, um, and I love it when we can just fill up on time. It's like, yes, I've used the whole tank of gas, and I'm filling up the whole tank of gas. This really backfired on me one day. My son was three years old. I was taking him to preschool at the time. This was like, obviously, a long time ago, 19 years ago. My son's 21, and uh, two minutes before the preschool, my car stopped, uh, and my son was in the back seat with me, and I'm like, what am I, how am I, what's going to happen? Now, it all worked out. We're still alive today. He's here, and nothing happened, nothing horrible. That was not a proud dad moment. Uh, in that moment, and my risk factor for filling up gas uh, backfired. But here's the thing. Now, some of you would never dream of driving on empty because you lifted your hands up and said, like, at half full, you're going to fill up. But so many of us do this every day with faith, with our faith, with our relationship with God, with our heart. We enter a day, we enter a week, we, we enter a meeting or a relationship, or maybe we engage a conflict or a challenge on an empty tank. We're void of inner strength, we're void of faith, we're void of the presence of Jesus. And it's not that we we like this or we want this, but we often allow for it anyways. seems to happen. And we only realize it because we engage that moment or that day or that conflict and recognize later, oh my gosh, I walked into that empty. And empty tanks long to be filled. Even our gas tanks, but our hearts, our lives our relationship with the Lord, it longs to be filled. We started this new series last week on renewal, and the subtitle of this whole series is Making Room for Renewal. We even sang about it today 
as well, spiritual renewal. And I, I believe there's a desire in all of our hearts for renewal, that we don't want normal or back to normal, but we want more than normal and better than normal. And that doesn't mean that, you know, normal in the sake of like the stuff I own, the, the job I have and that stuff. That's a kind of a different conversation. But this idea where we don't just want a relationship with God that's normal. We don't want to be back into relationship with God and one another as a church normal. We want more than that. And so if you're feeling empty in any way, I pray that that emptiness at the very least stirs up a hunger for renewal. I pray that that emptiness, if you're feeling empty these days, I pray that that stirs up a hunger for renewal. Because imagine, imagine that something would be different. Imagine you'd walk into work or walk into that meeting or walk into school, college, university, high school, or show up at the table for dinner at the end of the day. And rather than just bringing an empty self, you actually brought a renewed self. And I don't just mean physically rested, because that's important too. But imagine walking into those places full of God's Spirit. Walking into those places full of God's presence. Because I think we all long to be full of God's presence in our hearts, but also for our lives. And that's, that's what I'm after this season. That's where I kind of sense God is kind of calling us to as we make room for renewal. And I'm praying it for me, for you, for us. So I want to read this prayer we, we read last week, and we're working it backwards in this series rather than forwards, but we're going to read it forwards, obviously, because it would be awkward to read it backwards. We're just going to teach it backwards. Um, so here's Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church, or for the Ephesian church, and we assume it for us. It's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. And I pray, according to the riches of his glory, that he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you're being rooted and grounded in love. And I pray that you may have power to comprehend with all the saints, in other words, with all the church community, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than we all can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And everybody says, amen. Exactly. We just, that's a prayer. We just prayed it. So last week we noted that the, these Christ followers that Paul's writing to, they're already full of faith, they're already believers, they're following Jesus, they know Christ, they've experienced some of the fruit of the gospel, they've experienced the gospel of God's kingdom, they start to see reconciliation among Jew and Gentile and slave and free and rich and poor, they, they, they start to see the gifts of the Spirit being used. Paul commends them for their faith and their love when he writes this letter, but Paul also believes that they haven't experience the fullness of God. Like they've experienced God and they're experiencing God, but it seems that as Paul prays for them, he's saying there's more for you. There's more in your relationship with the Lord and in your experience of the gospel than you have yet to have experienced. And even though Paul's writing from a prison cell, he, he knows what it means to be full of hope. He knows what it means to be full of purpose and vision and to be present with the Lord. And so I, I believe as he's writing this to them, he's kind of calling them, even though they know Jesus, to make room 
for renewal, for God's fullness. That's what this part of the prayer in verse 18 and 19 say, and I just want to read it again because it's such a beautiful part. That's the one we're focusing on today. Last week it was verse 20, 21. Today it's 18 and 19. And Paul says, I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be, and here's, here's a beautiful phrase, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's the goal. That's the, the goal Paul's praying for. I mean, last week we looked at the outcome, right? The purpose, uh, how God uses people through his power to be at work. But here, what we notice here is Paul's praying that to to get to that, to to see the outcome, to see the fruit, to see God's power at work, he's saying, he's praying that they would be filled to the fullness of God. Filled to the fullness of God. And he's talking to people who already have come to know Christ. Now, if you compare God and you kind of like comparing the universe in Montreal, right? Like the universe doesn't fit in Montreal. Now there's elements of the universe in Montreal, but the universe doesn't fit in Montreal. It's like kind of saying like a glass of water cannot be filled with the fullness of the ocean, right? We, we struggle to see this because we're thinking quantity and not quality. We're thinking the vastness of the ocean in a glass of water And yet, any glass of water can hold the same elements found in the Atlantic Ocean. Isn't that true? Any glass of water can hold the same elements that are in the Atlantic Ocean. And I think that's part of where Paul's getting at in this prayer. His goal is that you may know, that you may experience, that you may be filled with all of God's fullness. That's a big phrase. With all of God's fullness. That's impossible when you think quantity, but it's possible when you think quality. See, God is bigger than you and me, but God very much wants us to know all of his fullness and be filled with him. And it's his desire to pour himself into you, to pour himself into me, into us. In fact, when Paul starts this prayer, he says, according to the riches of God's glory, according to the wealth, riches, vastness of God's glory. And then he, he, he goes into this prayer. That's what he believes and prays that we would be filled with. And one of the paths to this, one of the paths to the fullness of God is part of this prayer. Paul prays that we would know the love of God in Christ Jesus. And, he's, and he says, you know, if you would comprehend with all the saints the breadth and width and length and height of God's love as you're established and rooted in God's love, if you would know that, 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 that the power of knowing God's love, then you would understand that that's a path to get to being filled with God's fullness. He says, you know, I pray that you'd know God's love so that you might know and experience the fullness of God. Last week we talked about purpose, but purpose is more than just you and me accomplishing stuff. God wants us to be involved in his mission and his purpose. He wants us to live a life that is like filled with his power and he uses us. But purpose is more than just accomplishing things for God. His purpose is actually to establish you in his love. To establish you in his love. God doesn't just use his power to do things, but his power is at work to literally open you up to his love to open us up to his love. 
And Paul uses amazing words. He says, I pray that you might comprehend, or like maybe the way we can say that is to fully grasp, fully able to grasp the breadth and length and height and depth and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. He, he kind of like has these two ideas, right? Like to know something that surpasses knowledge, but isn't knowledge knowing? Isn't knowing knowledge? But somehow he puts them against each other, and he's like, no, 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 I pray that you would know there's some kind of knowing that's obviously more than just knowledge. And he prays that we know God's love more than just the knowledge of it. This has happened to you for sure in other, part, in other experiences of your life. Remember that you know, we had gotten a chance to visit the city of Barcelona years ago. And uh, you know, people told us about Barcelona. We, I can locate Barcelona on a map. Uh, you know, I could find, I can Google through Wikipedia, like what's the population of Barcelona? There's there's an infographic on the screen. You know, these infographics are very popular. You know, it tells you kind of where it is and the core of the city and what the population is, and maybe it'll tell you that the third of the economy is, I don't know, like. Uh, um, well, there's some really good meats in Barcelona, so maybe the third of the economy is those, you know, meats, like, like Italian is prosciutto, but I think it's Iberian ham in Barcelona. Who knows, you know, like, these infographics will tell you that. And that's, like, all right. You can get a lot of knowledge by reading about Barcelona, and you can get a lot of knowledge by talking to someone who's been to Barcelona. But when you walk the streets of Barcelona... It's very different. So if you go to some of the, the next pictures, when you walk the streets of Barcelona, all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh my gosh. Like that's just not statistics on an infographic. And when you taste the food in Barcelona, all of a sudden you're like, oh, this is what they cook here. Doesn't that look amazing? Mm, oh my gosh, that's the meat I was talking about. Um, and then, you know, maybe you walk through the architecture of Barcelona and you're like, oh, they don't build buildings like they build it in Montreal. There's something different here. And one of them is more traditional and one of them is more modern. But when you walk the streets and you walk through the architecture and when you start to talk to the people, it's a very, very different story. My son and I visited Barcelona for his 18th birthday and I remember we walked up to this Airbnb and it was late at night, there was graffiti on the door and I swear, like our normal kind of Canadian vibe was like, what, what are we doing? Like, what are we walking into? Like, what is this place, you know? It turned out to be awesome. But at first glance, you're like, did, did we rent a really bad place? <laughs> but once you get to know a place, it's different. It, you know, we can get to know this place through knowledge or that just touches the surface, the pictures. But once you walk there, once you experience people there, it's very different. And Paul's trying to say, it's, it's one thing to know about God's love it's one thing to know that Jesus went to the cross for you. It's one thing to know that God loves you. It's one thing to know when people tell you that they've experienced God's love. But then it's another thing to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Isn't that true? And which one are you after? Are you after the knowledge of God's love or to know God's love? I think we want to know it. And Paul here in this little phrase actually highlights indirectly two common human pursuits, the pursuit of knowledge and the pursuit of satisfaction. Consider how the world gets our attention, right? You need to know this, right? How often have we heard that? You need to know this. Or how often have you heard, you need to experience this. Those are like two famous phrases that are just paraphrased so often in advertising. You gotta know this. You gotta experience this. 
Most advertising can be summed up in those two things. Did you know? Have you ever experienced? And so here's two questions for you. What promises to enlighten you these days? Where do you find promises in our culture? Promises to enlighten you, to make you smarter, more knowledgeable, more insightful. Things like intellect and philosophy and information and facts and even the info sheet, you know, that I put up on Barcelona. That's so common these days, you know. People just summarize all this information into one sheet so we can be more knowledgeable. What promises to enlighten you these days? What, here's the next question. What promises to fill you these days? What kind of experiences or pleasures or sensations are promising or kind of like saying, hey, I promise to, I promise to fill you. I promise to bring you satisfaction. And those are two common questions each of us face every day. And we all live with the tensions of these two desires. And in fact, you're not abnormal. I'm not, it's human to want these things. It's human to seek knowledge. It's human to seek experience. In fact, Paul didn't lack either of them. He tells us that he's, he was knowledgeable and he grew in knowledge and he experienced all these things and he knew these people and he's done this and he's done that and he was knowledgeable and very well experienced. In fact, it wasn't bad, but he recognized when he met Jesus that it was lacking. It wasn't wrong, but he recognized when he met Jesus that it wasn't primary. So we might know stuff and we might have experienced stuff, but when, when, we, when we truly compare it to an experience with God, and the fullness of God Paul's praying for here for us, we recognize it's lacking. What the world promises us in terms of intellect and experience. And then what we as a church offer to the world. One um, theologian, Christopher Wright, he says this, came across it this week and it reminded me of this kind of theme. He said, the greatest human civilizations cannot solve the deepest human problems. The greatest human civilizations, and there have been many, and there still are many, and there will be many, the greatest human civilizations cannot solve the deepest human problems. I think Paul realized that when he encountered Jesus and was filled with the Spirit and started to know a love that surpasses knowledge and a hope that can't be offered anywhere else. And Paul's prayer for us is that we can know and experience something much deeper. And it's caught in that little phrase. He prays that we would know the, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. That we would be filled with the fullness of God. That the, the, the quality of who God is can fill our hearts and our minds. A knowing that's more than knowledge, an experience that's greater than us. And that's an expanded vision of love and an experience of God. But here's, here's the thing, and, and I know that I've, I've hit this wall many times. See, before we attempt to make room for that kind of experience, before we attempt to make room for a renewal that this prayer is after, we've got to address at least one problem that I think all of us face. And, and it's a little bit of a tongue twister. We get full with unfulfilling fullness. Can we say that? We get full with unfulfilling fullness. Say that really fast. Not just joking. We get full with unfulfilling fullness. See, some of us are, are already full. Some of us are already full. 
The only way to make room for God's fullness is sometimes to empty ourselves. So I have an Italian background. I've gone to Italian weddings a lot in my life. Years ago, when I was, when I was a teenager, hors d'oeuvres were like, you know, regular hors d'oeuvres, right? They used to like bring little plates and there was like a toothpick with something and you'd kind of eat it and you'd like wait for the waiter to come around again. You're like, oh man, I wanted one more. And then you're kind of waiting and then you, oh, the plate's empty and then they go fill it up. And so that was kind of like normal cocktails with some drinks and stuff like that. And then like when I was into my 20s and 30s, the, uh, the Italian banquet halls changed everything up. They, their, their hors d'oeuvres became what was called, uh, like it was, I think it was called the International Buffet. The International Buffet. Have you ever seen the International Buffet? It's seven tables, huge tables in the banquet hall, and they all come from a region of the world. So there's like all these great cheeses from the world, and then there's sushi and Asian food, and then there's like a pasta, there's smoked meat from Montreal, there's bread and spreads, there's fruit, there's cold cuts, and all of this is before the meal. Like all of this is before the meal. So you have these seven huge tables that they keep filling and filling and filling. Like the Parmesan is like this big and it's crumbled and you, it's like it never ends. It's crazy. It's ridiculous. All before the meal. And man, you can get really full on that stuff. And a couple of years ago, I was talking to an older trainer at the gym and it was a few years back, and he was trying to help me in, in a few things. And he said, here's a little tip, you know, like when you go to a wedding. Now, this guy was Italian, so we understood the weddings are crazy, right? So I understood automatically what he was thinking about. And he's like, Here, here's the trick. He goes, eat light during the day, work out mid-afternoon, so you're ready to eat at night. Get your metabolism working before you show up, at least an hour or two before. Eat a light breakfast, super, super, maybe nothing at lunch. Work out for an hour, then go to the wedding. I'm like, I understand what you're getting at. And so here, here's the thing. This is what he was trying to say. He says, if you want to feast at night, don't get filled up during the day. Right? If you want to feast at night, don't get filled up during the day. And this is the same idea, I think, the problem we face when we consider our relationship with God. Do we, here's the question for you. Do you want to feast on God? Do you want to, do I want to feast on God's presence? Do I want to be filled with the fullness of God? Is that, that's a question. Do you? Do we? If, if you do, then we must make room for him. Because at times we get filled with unfulfilling fullness. See, we won't be filled with the fullness of God when we're getting filled with everything else. With things that don't really fulfill us. They somewhat give us a taste of fullness, but it's not really the fullness that we're looking for. Some of the pursuits we have as humans, pursuits of wealth or pleasure, entertainment, 24-7 news channels, drama on talk shows, drama in real life. So we fill ourselves up with all this stuff, and then we're like, two minutes with the Lord. Right? I mean, get filled with an hour of like drama and trash talk on a you know, talk show or drama and trash talk in real life and then say, God, fill me with your presence, right? Get filled with all kinds of entertainment and 24 news and all that kind of stuff and then think, you know what, this two minutes with the Lord, it's going to just balance it all out. It's just going to just change the trajectory of my mind and my heart. It's going to cure it. It's going to restore it, you know? And we recognize that we've all, we get so filled that we're not even ready to receive from the Lord. 
We walk into life empty because none of that stuff has renewed us. And we walk into life empty because we're not filled on, with him. And that stuff might fill us a little bit, but it doesn't fill us with his fullness. And so my challenge to us today and to me, and I, I really put myself in this challenge too, is to make room for God's fullness, is to make room for renewal. And so here are the two, three things really briefly. The first thing is empty, emptying ourselves. Church history is filled with beautiful examples of this, beautiful writings, the monastics, the church fathers and mothers and others. And here's the question for you as we think about being empty. What do you need to intake less of to make room for God, God's fullness? Just ask yourself that question. What do you need to intake less of to make room for God's fullness? We've all seen maybe that analogy of, you know, filling up your container with all this stuff and then saying, I'm gonna put, now I'm going to put the big rocks in. And then they say, no, 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 empty it all out. And they say, no, put the big rocks in first and then add so you can get the, the core stuff in. And, you know, what do we need to intake less of? Some of, us, some, of you guys, some of us are just tired. You just need to go to bed an hour earlier. Honestly, like, that could just be it because you go to spend time with, with God, you go to even open the scriptures, and within three lines, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm falling asleep. This is crazy. Some of us just need to sleep more. Just take 30 minutes, an hour. Some, maybe just take a nap in the middle of the day. Maybe before you spend time with, with God, take a nap. <laughs> some of us are way too filled with drama to think about anything else. And some of us love drama. We live on the drama. We love the stories. We love what's going on. We love to be engaged in what's happening here, what's happening there. And, and, and then it's like, well, our minds are just all filled with that. We have no space. We need to empty ourselves. For some of us, it's busy. We're just so busy. We're so busy. And we don't have any time to even be filled with God. So how are you emptying yourself? The other thing is to really consider, how are you receiving and giving? I mean, this, God is not, you don't have to do anything, pay extra money to receive from the Lord. He's saying like, would you welcome him? God says, would you welcome me into your life? He, Paul says, you've already been rooted and established in love. And I want you to comprehend, fully grasp how big and wonderful and beautiful and wide and big and strong is God's love, that you may know this love. He doesn't say that you may work for this love, that you may achieve this love, that you may pay extra money for this love. He doesn't say that, no, that you may know, just, just simply that you may know this love that surpasses knowledge. And so that means receiving. But some of us actually struggle to receive. And so it's receiving. But another way towards making room for renewal is actually giving our love to others. And that's right here in this, the whole letter of Ephesians. Because when someone comes to Christ and experiences his love and is filled with the Spirit, something happens where the walls that our culture builds up, you know, social status, gender, wealth, race, these walls break down. And that the community of God's people learn to love one another in such extraordinary ways. That's why Paul was able to say, your faith and your love are amazing. I'm grateful for them. But there's even more. But it's, you know what? I know we, I, that if we don't make room to love other people, 
to express God's love, we're not making room for renewal. Because God wants to fill us. And he longs for us to love others. Like, think about this for a second. What's the, what would be the purpose of a Jew and Gentile that Paul's writing to, both having access to God, if they aren't loving each other? That wouldn't make sense. What's the point of, of race and status and wealth and whatever breaking down so we can have access to God if then we don't love one another? It's kind of like my two kids. You know, Andrew and Julia are my two kids. Imagine they have access to the love of their parents, but then they don't love each other. Wouldn't that be horrible? It's like, what's the point? What's the point of having access to the love of two people, one or two people in their lives, and then not let that overflow to each other? God's love and fullness is known more fully in community than in isolation. If we want to be filled to the fullness of God, it's going to be partly in community. That's why Paul says, I want you to comprehend with all the saints. He doesn't say, I want, this is just for you. This is only for you. I just want you to know this. No, he says, I want you to comprehend this with all the saints. And he writes, says, all is ours in the king and his love. All is ours in the king and his love. Ours, plural, together. See, the fruit you and I are looking for is a filled heart and a loving heart. That's the fruit. When, when this happens in your life, when this happens in my life, when this takes, takes root in our church and grows and grows and grows, the fruit of it, like what we're going to look for, what we're going to say, oh, that's happening. Oh my gosh, I see this is taking place. People are being filled with the fullness of God. It's going to mean hearts are, full, are full, but hearts are also loving. That's the fruit we're going to see. That's, that's what we're going to know is making a difference. I'm going to ask the team to come up as we, we close in a time of prayer. And I just want us to take this time this morning just to really engage this. And, and here's my heart for this. And here, here's, here's the, just this last invitation to you. It's the posture of our time with the Lord. I know we can tell each other over and over again, pray, seek the Lord, read the Bible. Uh, there were some great challenges over the summer, making time with the Lord, resting in Him, all this. But he, here's the thing. When we engage the Lord... There's something that's so, so important as we engage him. And maybe it's the first thing you do when you pray. The first thing you do when you open the scriptures. The first thing you do even when we start our gathering. You walk into our gathering. You come together. Maybe, maybe just before you get out of your car, you just pause for a second and you do this. Maybe it's before you walk through the doors. Maybe as you sit down. Maybe it's as the first scripture is read. I'm not sure, but here, here's, the, here's the short, short little idea that I think makes such a big difference. And you guys can start. And it's this simple, simple prayer. Because we want God to fill us, but often what we don't do is actually ask God to free us. Because we would say, Lord, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me, God, I want to be filled, I want to be filled. And we never take, we never couple with that prayer a prayer to be freed from the stuff that is filling our lives. That's really big because we're all human and the world is always saying, did you know this? Have you experienced this? Do you, can I, you want more insight? You want more experience? And then we get caught up in the things that 
fill us that are really not fulfilling. And we fill ourselves up with this stuff and then we have no room for the fullness of God. And it's not that God can't break in and, you know, totally fill your life. It's not the case. It's because we're literally with our actions and our decisions and the things we welcome into our lives indirectly saying to God, God, I'm good. I'm already full. But if you really long to be filled with the fullness of God, then part of the prayer is not just, Lord, fill me. It's, Lord, free me. Free me. So really simple and and help me to make room for your fullness, for you, for your presence, for your love. God, I long to comprehend, to fully be able to grasp the width and depth and breadth and length of your love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge and I long to be filled with your fullness. Give me the courage to respond, to live up to the convictions you place in my heart, to trust the Lordship of Jesus as you work in me this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.